How goes it? How's everybody doing? How are you feeling on this Tuesday, November 9th? Good to be back in studio. It's been a while, feels like. Had a lot of Kings games out at the arena. A lot of work out there. And the Kings hitting the road now after last night's conclusion of the four-game homestand. We will talk about that today. Plenty for us to get to. we got a full three-hour show today. As uh, lots of things to cover, we'll tell you what's uh, what our lineup is. We're going to start you out with this, though. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. So, yes, full show coming up at 6 o'clock, though, for the first time this year. UC Davis basketball, college basketball, has begun. And Scott Marshall will have the call. He's on the road with the Aggies. They open up at Utah State. That traditionally is a great venue for basketball. So that should be a good atmosphere tonight. Jim Les and his uh, team will be in action. We'll have the game. Pre-game will begin at 6, tip-off at 6.30. Uh, Scott Marshall will have the call. That'll be uh, concluding our show. Of course, we'll have the crossover in here today. Uh, tomorrow, because the Kings play a little bit earlier, we'll still have Lincoln Kennedy tomorrow, but we have to move Chris Landry, and he'll be today. So we get a lot of football perspective, a lot of things to discuss with Chris Landry uh, as he's going to join us at 5 o'clock for his weekly visit, LandryFootball.com, so we look forward to that. Also, more on the Sacramento Kings, and now that they've played 11 games after last night's uh, adventurous game, to say the least. We'll talk about that, obviously, a ton today. Uh, Sean Cunningham, uh, good to check in with Sean. He's got a good pulse on the team, a reporter in town, uh, works for ABC10, goes to all the Kings games. He's dialed in, but we'll get his perspective on what uh, he thinks he's seen so far through the first 11 games. Since it's a Tuesday, we uh, have another week that's concluded after last night's Monday night game. We've got our new NFL top five, bottom five to get to as well, and so much more from last night, even some baseball news. So we got baseball, football, basketball, college basketball, college football news with the new rankings coming out. There's there's a lot to get to today, and uh, we will do that between now and uh, 6 o'clock. But with all that said, let's do it. Let's start you out with first things first. First things first. Came up woefully short. No whistle. Didn't make any difference. Two possession game. Horn sounds. The game is over. And Phoenix evens the series at one win apiece. Each team has won on the opponent's home floor. Sacramento 12 nights ago had a three-point win in Arizona. 110-107. Tonight on the home floor in Sacramento, they lose 109-104. Uh, G-Man on the call yesterday, one of the more bizarre games I think that has happened in a while for the Sacramento Kings and for really anybody uh, in an 82-game season, lots of different things can happen. You have a night like Friday night where the Kings are making everything. You have other nights where they can't make anything. And this one was going in an indication where we were going to have a close game all the way through. That's the way it looked like. Phoenix got off to a quick start, but Sacramento reeled them in. And back and forth, we went close game at halftime. Really, it didn't feel like... Anything had truly been established at that point. I thought Chris Paul and Devin Booker got off to excellent starts. Cameron Payne had a really good first half. Kings hit a bunch of threes early, but all that, and it was a three-point differential at half. And it felt like at that point it's anybody's game. Um, Didn't seem too odd. Nothing was really weird about the game. And then came the third quarter. The third quarter, uh, the Kings were just blitzed with an aggressive approach defensively by Phoenix as they came out of the locker room, combined with just careless, careless basketball. I mean, one of the worst quarters I've seen the Kings play in a long time. Certainly this year, it goes without saying, but in a long time. Ten turnovers in the quarter. 
Phoenix goes on a 14-0 run and blows open the game and then extends it even more. And it just felt like, ah, man, this this happens. This is real the first real clunker. You're coming off the Indiana game where you, you probably could have won. I don't know if you should have, but you could have. It's like, well, this is too bad. I've, I've, I was talking yesterday at the Kings through 10, liking everything about the compete level, how they're engaged. They've been ahead in every fourth quarter. That shows you how competitive they've been. I said, well, that's not going to happen now. They're too far behind. They're down by as much as 24 late in the third. And it felt like Phoenix thought it was over. Felt like the fans thought it was over. I thought it was over. Kings kind of played like they thought it was over in a sense of, all right, let's clear the bench a little bit. They kept Barnes and Fox in. But we saw Metu, Damian Jones, um, even Jemias Ramsey there for a little bit. And it was, all right, let's just kind of get through this. And, you know, I know the players, and Coach Walton said this, that that, that game yesterday was going to call on a lot of uh, kind of inner fortitude in a sense of it's the fifth game in seven nights. No, they weren't using it as an excuse, but it just felt like that maybe caught up to them for a minute. But then it just, everything just derailed. It all fell apart, and they deserved what happened to them down by 24 and then you know a few baskets here and there phoenix has called off the dogs they they put their starters on the bench and you know it gets down to 19 it's like well i mean there's time but this isn't happening is it it's 14 it's like well i mean don't do this unless you're really going to make this interesting then it's nine and seven and it's just uh uh-oh phoenix has to monty williams calls timeouts he has to get his starters back in and I've seen this before. I don't think it happened last night, but it probably was close to happening. When you've got a lead like that and you really think you're done, I mean, you shut you shut down mentally and sometimes even physically where shoes go off, tape goes off. That didn't quite happen, but Chris Paul, Devin Booker, um, Bridges all had to come back into the game, and they weren't in the right mind space. And before long, here come the Kings, and they're making it very, very interesting with an opportunity late to pull off what could have been an all-timer. Um, I thought the Kings deserved to lose. It was fun. They made it interesting. That was all great. But um, a, a bit of a head-scratcher all the way around, just the way the night went for them, The way that, really the third quarter, because I, I can't say the whole game. It really wasn't that way. The Kings were just fine, I thought, in the first half. But uh, third quarter was so one-sided, 31-12, to 12, and then the fourth quarter was 28-11. to 11. Um, good for them to to show the fight to come back, but uh, they didn't have it. It's way too sloppy. They certainly, I felt like, missed Tyrese just as the overall energy and passion player, I think, for the team. And another guy that plays like that is Rashawn Holmes, and he had he's had a great season. I would say he had an off night. And so when you combine those things and the way Phoenix played and the sloppiness, that should have been a loss, and it was. Kings made it far more interesting at the end. Uh, we'll talk more about that certainly coming up. Uh, at 3.30, and with Sean Cunningham when he joins us at 4.30. But uh, Suns go to 6-3. and three. They've won every game since the Kings beat them on that game winner by Harrison Barnes, and the Kings now go back below 500 at 5-6. and six. We're going to talk more, too, about the upcoming road trip. It it's becomes imperative now. The Kings have done this a couple different times this year. If we kind of go back to the season schedule, remember the Kings were 1-0 and and then lost two. It was important to win that fourth game. They did that against Phoenix. They won the next game to get to 3-2, and two. And then they lost two in a row again, three and three, three and four. Then they won um, a couple of games, four and four, five and four. And now they've lost their last two, uh, five and five and five and six. I think it's important to avoid those long stretches. They haven't had a great positive stretch. They haven't had a great negative stretch yet. So um, 
hovering around this mark is keeping him. I told you yesterday my firm belief on where I think the top 10 in the West are. I think it's already established. I really do, and I'm going to monitor it. Uh, the bottom five, OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Houston, and New Orleans. I think that's it. I think those are the five that are going to be out of the play-in or the seeded part of the playoffs. You're monitoring the situation? I am on it. I'm monitoring it. I even sent you a text to monitor. Monitor this situation. So OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Houston, and New Orleans, 11 through 15. Uh, Kings right now are at 10, uh, and that's what one loss will do for them, moving them back below 500. But that's how I think it will go, the top 10. I think we'll we'll shake around throughout the season What's, as we go. The last couple of seasons, I mean, I guess it's been weird just because of the situation everyone's in. But the last couple of seasons, the Kings have almost seemed better on the road. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, than at home. Yeah, and right now, what is it? Uh, three and two road, two and four home. That's a little disappointing. Home stand, two and two. Eh, it's okay. I was really hoping for three. Now they go on the road for four. We'll talk about that coming up, but. Uh, I wouldn't even say missed opportunity last night. They deserved to lose last night. They nearly pulled off one of the great opportunities. Yeah, it would have been a steal. That was a total steal. And it's weird. And the deserving to lose really came with just a, a just hideous third quarter. Because first half was fine. It was fine. They were trailing by three in the game, engaged, doing a lot of the right things. But the third blew the game totally apart and nearly pulled off an incredible comeback. All right, let's go more. First things first. First things first. All right, we're going to stick with the NBA. And last night, some interesting developments happened. Here's a couple different versions of this play uh, from uh, TV crews. First one, this one from uh, Denver. Nuggets have five on four. And Jokic. Oh, no. No. Keep the players on the bench. No. Wow. Oh, so Morris banging Jokic first. They'll take a look at this. Extenuating circumstances, perhaps. Jokic returning the favor. Wow. All right, so that was the Denver call. It was Denver and Miami. Here's how Miami saw this play. Oh, my. Jokic just clobbered Marquise Morris from behind. Wow. Well, that might cost Jokic a game and some money. And now Jimmy Butler in the middle of things. Oh, things are turning ugly here. Denver staff mixing it up with Heat players. Oh, Markeith Morris is hurt. In all of this, Morris is still on his back, clutching his shoulder. Why did Jokic go after Morris? We do not have an answer to that. Boy, he threw that right right elbow, hit Morris solidly. Morris wasn't looking. It could could have been a lot worse if he hit him in the head. Oh, there is bad blood brewing between these two teams. Jimmy Butler at half court, finger-pointing on the Denver bench. We've got staff members over on the Denver side talking to Jimmy, which is just crazy. Meanwhile, Markeith Morris still on his back. 2.39 left in this game. Well, let's see how this whole thing began. Well, Bam looked like he got fouled here. No call. Oh, you see the, the bump by Morris and then that. Oh, my. All right, so he fouled him. And then Jokic cheap shots him. Well, he hit him when he wasn't looking. That's, That's a nasty cheap shot by a great player. A nasty cheap shot by a great player. Well, there, there's a lot here. Uh, let's hear more from those involved in the game. First, uh, coach of the Heat, Eric Spolstra. That was a, a very dangerous, uh, dirty play. I thought Keith took a, a foul, and it was you know one of those fast break take fouls, and he did with his with his shoulder. You might deem that you know maybe as a, a little bit more you know than just slapping somebody. But after I watched it on film, it was a take foul. 
You know, that's how I saw it. And the play, you know, after that, that's just absolutely uncalled for. And it would have looked a lot different. This whole thing could have been a whole lot uglier if Markeith was actually facing Jokic. You know, the fact that he had his back turned uh, and he made a play like that, you know, blindsiding him, that was uh, just a very dangerous play. All right, more from uh, how about Jokic on what uh, he, he describes as what's going on. I think it's, it was a dirty play, and then I just needed to protect myself. I, I felt it bad, and it's, I'm not supposed to react that way. First of all, to not get thrown out of the game, uh, so uh, to, I cannot help my team win the game, which is the most important thing. But, uh, you know, it, it happens. I feel bad. Uh, I'm not supposed to react that way, but you know, the way I need to protect them somehow myself. All right, one more from, from the Joker. If I didn't react that way, it wouldn't be a, even a flagrant foul or whatever. So it was just in a moment of uh, whatever, adrenaline, you know, running up and down. You just, it's reaction. All right. It's also spilled over to social media, which has made it even more interesting with Jokic's brothers, who, if you remember last year in the playoffs when Denver was eliminated by Phoenix and the Joker got thrown out of the final game of that series, Booker and he were going at it. Uh, it looked like his brothers wanted in and wanted every piece they could to get to Booker, and those guys are monsters. They're humongous. Um, so first, my first opinion on this, my first thought is, yes, agreed with a lot of what was said there. Jokic went too far, but what Eric Spolstra said, I have a little bit, I take a little bit from there. And if that was a take foul that he's trying to do, watch how teams do that. They usually run up on a guy and, and touch him. Grab him, grab on the wrist, touch on the waist, hit on the uh, side. It, that was a dangerous play, too, at first by Morris. And if that doesn't happen, then the next part doesn't. Now, Jokic is out of line, but the first, he, there's no way he does that if it's a normal, and I'm doing air quotes, normal take foul. In the great words of Lil John, and I'm going to paraphrase, don't start no stuff, won't be no stuff. Exactly. Well said. Um, that's it. And, you know, Jokic will get fined, if not suspended. Morris um, was the instigator, though I don't think he meant – I know he didn't mean it to go as it went, but without his foul, this other thing doesn't happen. I will say both didn't realize I, – I don't think both went in realizing the type of – I don't want to say damage, but what they were inflicting on the other. Yeah. Right. I don't think Morris meant to hit Jokic. I wanted. I think he wanted him to know that he was there. Right. And I, I think the same thing with Jokic. I think if both were to like be told, like, hey, this is how it's going to play out, they would both say, we don't want any part of right. this. Right, we didn't want to get to that. And then, you know, when others pretend to want to be in it, Jimmy Butler certainly seemed like he wanted to get somewhere in there. I don't think he wanted that smoke. I just don't think he did. Uh, Jokic isn't to be messed around with. Neither are his brothers who have gone to – did they set up a fake account? Is that what they did on Twitter? It was like a new account. A new account, but it was them. It was clearly them, and uh, now the Morris twins. And I think they attached the wrong – I think they went after Marcus Morris and not Markeith at first. I will say if I want the Jokic brothers upset with me, I would want to see where they are. Yes. I don't want – I want to say, okay, they're there. I need to be as far away from (laughs) them as possible. When you mess with them? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where this goes. We'll see what the league does. It really, I mean, it wasn't the ugliest incident we'd ever seen. It just didn't need to happen. And I, I put more of this, honestly, on Morris to start. But Jokic um, escalated it, certainly, and he's the one that got tossed from the game. Uh, but we'll see uh, what kind of fines and suspensions come out of that. All right, more first things first. 
first things first. First things first. Well, I didn't know what to think of the Bears and Steelers, if that would be much of a Monday night football game, and it turned out to be uh, pretty great. The snap is down. The kick is on its way. Long enough. High enough. That kick is good. Boswell, an incredible night at Heinz Field, has put the Steelers on top with 26 seconds to go. That was after the Bears came from behind. They had a really good comeback. They went ahead. Steelers then kicked that field goal. Bears actually got into a spot where they had to kick a 60, what, 66, 65-yard field goal. It came up short. Um, but before all that was this play. Roethlisberger empty spread. Takes the snap. Has time. Pumping. Edwards almost got him. They do finally bring him down. The sack is made. And it's Cassius Marsh. The ex-stealer in his Bears debut gets to Ben Roethlisberger working off a block. Finishes the job, and oh, now a, a penalty marker. And please tell me that's not going to be a taunting on Marsh as the Steelers are getting ready to punt with 3.16 to go in the game. The of the play, taunting, defense number 59. 15-yard penalty will create a first down. Wow. Unnecessary, ridiculous in every way, shape, and form. I just said, play smart inexcusable you got the Steelers off the field in a three-point game enough with this stuff already I don't know what he's doing he's just all he's doing is staring at the Pittsburgh Steelers sideline so I know Mike Tomlin has come out and said you know he's for this new emphasis that they've had all season long when we had uh we've talked about it before this season how this was going to be a point of emphasis was targeting I'm targeting taunting excuse me and uh it just seemed like an odd time to call it. Was it really even legitimately taunting? Well, here's Cassius Marsh, the guilty party on that. It's pretty clear to everybody who saw it that I wasn't taunting. Like, you know, I've been doing the celebration my whole career, and, uh, you know, it's just sad to see stuff like that happen in a close game like that. It's just rough, man. I still remember Chris when Mike Pereira was in here. He said, yeah, that's an emphasis this year. And, and he felt like they had already gotten it wrong some in the preseason, uh, as you know, we've had Mike here a few months ago. And the bad thing is it's such a judgment call. Yeah. Like pass interference is a judgment call, but this is truly a judgment call because what someone's taunting is just another person's celebration. Right, which is allowed. Yeah. But not taunting. So now I'm just thinking about this as this is being told, and Mike Tomlin, he wants it to – Clean up the game. Clean up the game. How about we come to a compromise? What if each team is allowed three taunts to where you could do whatever you want, and but then the coach has to throw out the taunting flag, like, okay, pick it up. That is not taunting. And then once you're out of all your tauntings, if you do any type of celebration, then that's a 15-yard penalty. Three seems too much. Three seems too much? How many flags do the coaches have? They're just throwing flags all the time. You get it back. I know, but just that's three. Yeah, like throughout in, the entire game. I know, but in the, like in the NBA, they get one time to challenge one call in the entirety of a game. But it's such a quick thing. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, that's our taunt. All right. Okay. Or should there be a button? Like a mound visit? We know when you go to the mound is your number. Just like a button. Oh, okay. Okay, now I got it. It's on the scoreboard. Yeah. There's three tauntings on the scoreboard. Coach presses a button. One of them goes. And that's rule the taunt when yes. the coach says it is. Yes. Yeah, but then so the coach is the judge. Yes. 
<laughs> think that'll go well? Well, it, got, it would be better than this. This was tough. Here's more from uh, Cassius Marsh. On my way to the sideline, I got hip-checked by the ref, and it's it's pretty clear. If I were to do that to a ref or even touch the ref, you know, we'd get kicked out of the game and possibly suspended and fined. So I just think that that was incredibly inappropriate, and that's all I'll say about that. It ended up being a fun game, a good finish. Um, taunting, I think, has been ruled incorrectly several times this year. And I'm with you, though, Chris. I, I don't mind it. I, it just depends on – I feel like in a lot of us, there's a common sense on what's too much. That wasn't. No. I don't even know if it was taunting. Like, I looked and he at does it, it. he does it all the time. Without even hearing him, right, just body language. Just, that's all we can see. I went, what was that? He looked over at the other side. It was a team he used to play for. Um, he wasn't even gesturing. I he was halfway on the field. If he was even saying yeah, anything, it was just a lo- it was a long yeah. stare. And maybe if he said, but whatever, like that, that's what we're gonna get. Whereas, you know, I know they encourage celebrations. You know, that especially when defenses get a pick or a fumble, and then they all run collectively to the other end to get in that camera shot, and it's celebrated by yes. the NFL, right? Allowed, totally normal. In a sense, that's taunt. I mean, what's their definition of taunting? Celebrating, showing up the other team. But this one, without any elaborate gestures, anyway, it turned out to be a good game. Pittsburgh got the win they needed. Uh, Fields nearly brought them back. And uh, more controversy, I guess we'll say, I, here in the NFL. I think I need to talk to the rules committee. I think this three taunting rule can really put things into perspective. Three taunts. Yeah. Three yeah. taunts and you're out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More first things first. First things first. First things first. Well, I don't know if today was known as Odell Beckham Jr. Day, but this was the day we were going to find out if he uh, was claimed by anybody off waivers. He wasn't. Unclaimed. So, he has become a free agent. When those that wanted Odell freed, he's free. He's available. So now who is going to sign him as a free agent? There were some reports today talking about Green Bay being one of the primary frontrunners that they're looking for. I say to those that are looking for him, be careful. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, I think if you get a guy that you're counting on to be an additional receiver, cool. But if you're looking for a guy to be a receiver that does the little things that you need to be successful, I don't think it's him. I don't think it's him if you're asking him to be your primary number one guy like he was at one point in the career. He's not that guy anymore to me. Um, But if you need bodies, if you need a a weapon, if you think you get him in the right spot, sure, sure. Take it, take a, take a try at it, but I don't think you should be going in expecting huge differences to your offense if you add Odell Beckham Jr. There's talk about him going to the Packers, so the Packers are really doing their research, really working hard on it, and they're just waiting to hear back from Joe Rogan. And and then once we know what he says, then it's then we're probably good. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. available out there, uh, to be had if a team is willing to sign him. All right, one more. On first things first. First things first. First things first. As we said earlier, following us today at uh, 6 o'clock, we'll get you to UC Davis basketball. College basketball is here. Men's and women's has begun. There's a lot to go on in what is expected to be another good college basketball season. But some of the highlights as far as tonight goes, Kentucky and Duke, two of the great powers in basketball. It's also Coach K's. Final year is he's beginning that. Uh, Gonzaga comes in as the preseason number one. 
You've got uh, Kansas, you know, usual suspects up there, Villanova, North Carolina, Memphis should be good, Texas, UCLA. It's going to be it's going to be a good college basketball season and a lot will be watching Coach K this year, but certainly Coach Cal. Um, it gets started and I like sometimes college basketball. We come out with some big games like Kentucky and Duke. That's in the State Farms uh, Champions Classic as that gets going tonight. But we'll uh you know, the other thing about that is these are the future stars of the NBA as well. We look at the uh, Baylor Bears, the National Champions last year and Davion Mitchell, big part of that team and now a big part of what the Sacramento Kings are doing all right break time for us again still coming up on the show nfl top five bottom five sean cunningham will talk to us about uh, the kings and where they are right now through 11 games he joins us at 4 30 and then chris landry landryfootball.com when we come back though what to take from last night's game versus phoenix it felt like three games in one we'll discuss that when we come back here on sports 1140 khdk Jason Ross back here, Sports 1140 KHTK. As we roll right along here, we take you till 6. Again, we have uh, UC Davis basketball tonight. As the Aggies open up their season, they're going to be taking on Utah State. We'll get to that at 6, following the crossover and the conclusion of our show. One hour from now, we'll check in with Sean Cunningham, ABC 10 Kings, or reporter, but uh, covers the Sacramento Kings for many, many years. We look forward to talking to him. But speaking of the Kings, and last night, what a wild game it was. And really, as I said, going to break, it felt like three games in one. First half was fine. Kings got off to a slower start again, but I thought they did a good job of regrouping by the end of the first quarter, and they were just down uh, six points. Uh, by the half, they were down three. They had taken the lead, but kind of gone back and forth. And I know uh, in the first half, it felt like Phoenix wanted to do a few different things with what they had been doing as far as their bigs with DeAndre Ayton out is playing JaVale McGee as the starter in the first and third quarter, but really going smaller and playing Kaminsky a ton. And I thought the Kings went to work on him and really started to come back when he was in there. Seemingly to me, they did better when JaVale McGee was on the floor. Uh, Booker and Paul got off to quick starts. And as the game went along, though, I felt like the Sacramento Kings kind of figured some things out and really got themselves right back into what was a very good first half. And then the third quarter happened, and so did this. Ahead to Buddy Heald. Cruises into the front court, gets the screen, goes right, doesn't attempt to launch it, dribbles himself into a turnover. Lead out pass. Broken up by the King. Shamit had it, lost it, saved by Johnson to Booker for three, and of course he's going to make it. It's 98-74. to 74. Mm. Some unhappy Kings fans, and who can blame them? That's the 10th turnover of the quarter by Sacramento. 10 turnovers in the quarter. Chris, I want to ask you this. You actually went as a uh, as a fan yesterday, a rare opportunity for you to go. I heard the booze. It wasn't that loud when that happened, but was that – it's so hard to tell context. Were they booing the Kings, like the actual play? Or the, I, I couldn't – I didn't know what that was. I figured it was the Kings, but – I felt more like the refs. The refs? Yeah. Okay. I just I mean the quarter it validated it. It was it was there was some booing at the refs and then there was just disgust. Yeah, and that's the way it felt. It was like, wait, this hasn't been the way this team has looked. We know anybody is capable of having a bad half, a bad game, a bad quarter, but it was just so tragically bad. It was just 
everything that could go wrong went wrong. Kings were dribbling off their shoes, throwing it right to the Suns, and then of course the Suns were making it was it was all combined together, and it just went man, this unraveled so quickly. I went there with my uh, uncle and cousin. I think at one point we all said to each other, like, wait. Have they scored yet? Right. The Kings scored. <laughs> yeah. And even in, you know, it's funny that you say that. So it was a 14 nothing run total, but I want to say at the one time it might have been about a 10 0 run. And it's, you know, it's, oh, it's getting a little bit, you know, there's, there's time left, but this is getting ugly. And Phoenix had an elite. No, Chris Paul had the technical. And I thought, okay, good. At least just, just get a point, buddy. Is, I mean, it's a freebie. At least just stop the bleeding. So, and then, so here was a bad thing yeah. is right when they got that technical, my cousin said, okay. We'll stop the run. And then I said, I'm pretty sure Buddy Hilt has a 30% at technical. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you were right on that one. He missed there. And the Kings overall for the night, uh, funny enough, were pretty good from the line. I know they needed two free throws late that they didn't get, but they also got a gift late when Devin Booker missed two free throws. So after that hideous third quarter where the Kings were down late in the third by 24, uh, they just kind of started to chip away. It wasn't anything super dramatic it was just kind of a slow prolonged climb and it even turned out so from what you just heard there if you didn't see anything about the game last night you heard fans kind of quiet booing it just wasn't feeling right still led to a moment like this fox quickly into the paint fakes the step back 15 footer gets a reset from metu drives it left puts on the brakes changes direction goes right off balance floater with a left hand no good stick back thrown down by damian jones wow inside two minutes to go 107 102 phoenix with the ball and the lead so that moment the building is engaged people had left and i don't blame them people had gone they were people that were out of there the people that were sticking around were thinking is this really going to happen? Are we going to see something this unique, this spectacular? And it was right after that sequence. So the Damian Jones put back, uh, pulled him within five. The Kings got a stop, and they were in transition. And the very next play was the Harrison Barnes basket and the foul. And that's when I started to think, my goodness, it might happen. I mean, Phoenix was playing not to lose. The Kings were just playing carefree and aggressive. And... You know, I'm assuming Barnes was going to make the free throw, and it was going to be a two-point game. Well, it was a good time for Monty Williams to make the challenge. Live, I thought they had the call right. But then when you see the replay, I went, oh, no, this is going to be an offensive foul. They're going to overturn this. They looked at it for a while. They did overturn it, so it was no longer uh, down to a three-point game with an and one. It stayed at five. King still got it to three, still had opportunities, and ultimately – came up short. I didn't love the sequence late. I know post game coach Walton talked about how they were comfortable getting a three or a two, no matter what it was because they still had a timeout and they were late on trying to get the ball inside to a wide open uh, Chemezi Metu, who likely would have scored. I think they're at the rim to make it a one point game and play the foul game from that point on. But um, just a bizarre night all the way around in really in that second half. And to look at the uncharacteristic amount of turnovers, I mean, 24 was a season high, 10 and a quarter was a season high, but it's also what was done out of the turnovers, 24 turnovers for 38 points. I mean, Phoenix just punished the Kings mistakes and that's what should happen. That's what a good team should do. And Phoenix did that. I think the uh, players that didn't play would have been a difference. Obviously if Aiton was in there would have helped Phoenix. And certainly I think Tyrese Halliburton, the Kings missed him. 
the the overall depth of the roster when you take one piece out. I think that's part of the strength of this team is they can hit you with numbers, like when they were going better in three straight games of seven players in double figures. Yesterday they got 26 from Barnes, who continues, by the way, to just have an amazingly efficient season. Uh, his trouble spot last night, like the team, was turnovers. He had six. But he got to the line a bunch. He's kept stopping their runs in the fourth quarter. Not even runs, but he kept stopping the clock to get to the line to shoot free throws, and he made 11 of 11. Um, he does whatever you need. He's such a great pro, and he's really reached his his peak, his peak as a professional. But you get that. I, I think you get a subpar de- game, a rare subpar game from Rashawn Holmes. Buddy Heald wasn't the sniper that he's been, though he got off to a good start, kind of stayed uh, quiet there, and really didn't play a lot as the game went along because uh, Coach Walton, which a lot of coaches do this, where whatever group brings you back, you kind of leave that group. And I feel like that's most of the coaches' code, and and it's it's tough to argue the difference on that. But I will say last night was one of the few times I felt I would have made the switch a little bit earlier. When, when they got it to under 10 with enough time where you go time and score, you can do this. That other group brought you back, but you also had two people that you just don't play that much. And they did fine. Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones did more than fine. And you're, you're I guess if there's a silver lining, you're glad they got an opportunity in those meaningful minutes. But as this team goes, they're going to need those, – those guys aren't going to be, in my opinion, key contributors to winning games – as the season progresses. So I would have brought back in Buddy or Holmes, or they did ultimately bring back Davion Mitchell for Jamias Ramsey. That was a little bit earlier in the in the quarter. But I, I at some point, I think I would have moved off of either Damian Jones or Chemezi Metu, or both, to see if it could get a little bit more offense to completely spark the comeback. But that, that one's, that one's um, nitpicking a bit on the Kings, and... The bigger issue was was the third quarter turnovers. I mean, it really gave them what felt like zero chance to win the game, and they ended up having a chance somehow, some way. But that was just a a colossally bad quarter. So now the Kings sit at five and six, and they get ready to take on four teams on the road. And if you look at that, which we always say this, this is a dangerous game to play. Uh, none of these are gimmies, but if you're taking a four game road trip, this would be the one you would say, hey, what would be the easiest path? If I could create a four-game road trip, this would be one you'd put on your list. You're not going to Philly and Milwaukee and Utah or whatever the whatever the four or five best teams are in the league. These are teams right now that have struggled, that have been at the bottom. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but the Kings need to make good work on this road trip. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. It's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. As we welcome you back here to Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. We go till 6 today. Then it's UC Davis basketball. Scott Marshall have the call. The Aggies taking on Utah State at Utah State. So looking forward to that one coming up as college basketball is here and watching some games right now, both men and women in studio. Pretty cool. Number one, South Carolina playing. Number five, NC State on the women's side. And we got uh, 17th ranked Ohio State taking on Akron. It's college hoops is underway. 
Uh, the Kings, they're going to be hitting the road, as we mentioned, going on this road trip. If you could pick a road trip of four games, uh, it's laid out pretty well for the Sacramento Kings. To me, as far as the talent that they're playing, how they're how it's laid out schedule-wise, um, there's days off between games. Kings have played a lot of games here, five and seven days, but this is laid out nicely. Wednesday, Friday, the weekend off, and then Monday and Wednesday. So no back-to-backs, and then you start to go into the talents that they're playing. We know this. Anybody in the NBA can beat anybody. That's That goes without saying, right? But would you ra- you'd rather play this setup with a 3-7 and seven San Antonio team first. Then you get OKC two days later, who's 3-6. and six. Detroit, the third game, 1-8. and eight. And Minnesota, 3-6. and six. So they're not going to play a team with a winning record at all, at least going into the game, on this trip. But you've got to make sure that they kind of stay locked in. I thought they had good approaches the last time they played, like the New Orleans team, a team that was down coming into that game and ended up uh, getting separation in the game and ultimately winning that. I think they've been engaged in most of, the, most of these games. I, I do feel like these this day of travel today and off today before playing again tomorrow will help them just get their minds right a little bit. On the health front, we do need to update a few things. We know that Tyrese Halliburton was out yesterday. Questionable was uh, his, his status with his back. He ultimately didn't play. Terrence Davis hurt his ankle in the game yesterday. He, too, is listed as questionable for tomorrow. Those that are out for the game, all from the Spurs side of things, Zach Collins has had an ankle issue. And then Jakob Pertl, who's uh, really bothered the Kings as a member of the Spurs, he is out with uh, health and safety protocols. So He's been a real hurdle for the Kings. Pertle hurdle, yes. He has been a problem. So I like the way it's laid out. Now go play well. Go do the things that you've been doing for chunks, short chunks, hopefully longer chunks of the season. I think this is... Uh, laid out for you. I would, you know, two and two feels like what you want as a minimum. I think there's an opportunity for three and one. And of course, you're always going to go and get greedy. I think it's important, though, to get the first one, the very, very first one, San Antonio, um, because you're trying to avoid a three game losing streak. And I think when you start to get into three or four, it just builds pressure on each and every game. And the Kings have done a good job of that, as I said earlier, where that when they've lost two in a row three times this year already, they've won the next game. And most times they've won two in a row after that. So, Hopefully they can continue that and keep these teams, as I've told you, three of these teams that I think will be 11 through 15 are on this road trip. Keep them down below you. Stay ahead of them. Put a loss on them. Put a win in your column because, you know, you've got more Utah games to come and Milwaukee and Philly and uh, the Warriors and all that other stuff that when you go, oh, man, I I wish they didn't waste that opportunity on the road. That's what you don't want to have happen. You don't want them to come home and say, man, they should have won this one as well or these two games. You just hope they play their best, and I think if they do that, it'll be a great trip. It'll be a great trip for them. Um, the other thing that uh, was kind of going around the uh, arena yesterday, people talking about, I noticed, and a few people hit me up on social media, about Marvin Bagley. A- and why is he not playing? I don't have an answer to that. I really don't. I thought yesterday, of all things, or two games here recently, when the Kings either had the huge lead Friday night against Charlotte or last night when they're getting absolutely uh, crushed by Phoenix, I thought were opportunities for him to get in. The understanding the Charlotte one, the trick of a blowout lead, even though you're not going to lose that game likely, is the team still wanted to function with some guards, and all the guys that really didn't play in that game were bigs. Alex Len never went in the game, and neither did Marvin Bagley. I don't know if that was talked about with Luke Walton, like, hey, guys, you want to go in? They're more established NBA guys that, you know, sometimes that's a little bit of a, 
a shot to the pride and the ego. Do you want to go in or not? And I don't know if that was asked. I'm not sure. But part of me wonders if some of this is just a message or not even a message. That's not the right term, but a directive from the front office. And not as a punishment. That's not my point is sometimes you don't elect to play players because you're trying to protect them from further injury if there's a deal down the line for Marvin Bagley. I don't know that. I'm clearly just speculating on that. But I'm trying to understand why he wouldn't have played. And I'm not – I haven't advocated for Marvin to play in these games where most of them have been close. I think they've identified the people that should be playing. But now we're talking about extenuating circumstances, like yesterday, down by 24. Jemias Ramsey gets in. Um, Damian Jones gets in. Tristan Thompson didn't play. Marvin Bagley didn't play. Got a lot of extra bigs on this team. So it's going to be tough for those minutes to be spread around amongst those guys, but interesting on on who was selected to play and who was not. Just, just I don't even know if it's something to watch because for the most part, I think the Kings are going to be in a lot of close games or games you know within ten points in the fourth quarter. So it could be either either team's game. I don't uh, barring any uh, significant injuries to the backcourt where they have to move some guys from the front court down or play more front court guys. I don't know how much Marvin's going to play at all right now. And that seems to be pretty clear because he's just played in the one game. I think it was early on at home when um, Harkless was hurt. And so they kind of moved everybody up a spot. And Marvin did get an opportunity that day and, and did just fine in the minutes that he got. But it's interesting that with so much of the bench depth being bigger players, you know, because they're going to play. If Halliburton was there last night, then you would have had Davis, Mitchell, Heald all coming off the bench. And then everyone else is basically a, a four or a five. And when you're willing to play Barnes or Harkless at the four, or we've seen it a couple times even at the five, and you're going to play Holmes primarily there, it's hard for Len or Thompson. And then certainly when you stretch it out, Jones, Metu, Bagley uh, to get in. So interesting that we just really haven't seen those minutes for Marvin. I think overall that's that's just fine. But when uh, these other situations, like I said, the blowout lead or the blowout deficit, I thought those would be opportunities for Marvin that just uh, just weren't happening. So we'll see what happens on this upcoming road trip again at San Antonio, OKC, Detroit, and Minnesota, all with a day off in between, if not two, between the OKC and Detroit. So an opportunity to to get back and uh, to get right and feel good and try to climb up the standings again uh, for the Sacramento Kings. All right, next hour, we will talk more about the Kings with Sean Cunningham. He will join us at 4.30. But when we come back, a new week of football is done and in the books. We've got to give you our NFL top five and bottom five. After another week of action, we'll do that next here on KHDK.